Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Music Biz Podcast, presented by HypeBot.com. I'm your host, Courtney Harding, a biz dev and thought leadership consultant in the music tech space. And I'm joined today by Zach Richter. He's the creative director at Verse, which is a creative virtual reality content distribution platform. And we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics, uh, the future of music and VR. So this is super exciting. And thank you so much uh, for joining us today, Zach. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. So for our listeners who aren't familiar with Verse, can you give us some background on the company and tell us about a couple of the projects that you've worked on? Yeah, um, Verse was started... um, Sort of, it's a little bit of an organic startup, but um, it was founded by Chris Milk and Aaron Koblen. And if you're not familiar with their work, um, you know, I personally find them both to be visionaries in their field. Chris, obviously, coming from um, you know uh, the directing background and working a lot with music videos and artists and creating art installations, and Aaron coming from a very technical and data arts visual- visualization background. And I think you know they've been working on projects together for a very long time. And Chris is one of the first creative people that I know of to actually start getting really interested in virtual reality. So when Oculus sort of uh, started debuting their hardware at different conferences, Chris met with them and um, said, I have some cool ideas for some things that we could do live action wise in virtual reality. And I don't think anyone was thinking about that at the time per se. So I was fortunate enough to have been working with him on some project at the time where we were sort of dabbling in um, 360 video and 360 audio experiments and we had um, we had some projects that were already sort of live on the web, and we were able to sort of port those into virtual reality and ultimately create the first ever live action virtual reality film. And that was sort of the basis, proof of concept for what Verse was ultimately going to become. So that's kind of how the whole thing started. And now, you know, we're really, really um, interested and involving ourselves in virtual reality storytelling. That's sort of the main thing that we wanted to do. You know, I think when VR started to get really popular after people started hearing about Oculus, there were all of these technical technical artists and technical people doing, you know, demonstrations with the hardware and the software and things like that. We were always coming at it from a much more humanitarian perspective and really trying to humanize the technology. So I think that's sort of um, the basis of most of our projects right now. And, you know, my personal favorite ones would sort of be um, the New York Times Walking New York film, which I directed with Chris and the uh, Parisian artist JR, which turned out to be a really, really great experience about sort of artistic process and really seeing the world in 360 degrees and sort of these giant installations and things like that. And then now we're sort of dabbling in, you know, music videos for U2 and Muse and um, doing really, really great stuff um, with the UN um, with these more humanitarian projects where we're trying to show show viewers what the world really looks like through the eyes of a Syrian refugee or other people who are, you know, um, just living completely different lives than we are. So that's that's sort of where we're at with Verse right now. So let's kind of start off by talking about the overall concept of virtual reality, because people have been predicting that this is the next big thing for a while. So I always refer back to this um, episode, this clip of an episode of The Simpsons in the early <laughs> 90s that has Lisa Simpson putting on her VR headset to learn about Genghis Khan. And it's it's pretty funny, but it's also sort of, you know, it speaks to the point that like people have said VR is going to be a thing for a really long time now. So why do you think this is the moment that VR can go mainstream as opposed to the other times it's been predicted? Yeah, it's, it's like a really fun, really fun question. And, you know, like I think in the, it was started as early as the 1930s. People started talking about it like science fiction writers and stuff like that were concepting, you know, heads, headsets that would sort of take you into another dimension. And I think that that idea of sort of like transporting yourself has been 
has been an idea for such a long time. And, you know, like in, in the 30s, probably people started first concepting it because it was, there were things in the world that, you know, you could actually sort of, you know, visualize that this could be a reality. And then like in the 90s, obviously, MIT was playing around with, with certain things in their media lab. But uh, like throughout history, we've never really had the, you know, like, for, we've, like the, the resolution and the hardware has never really caught up to being something that could literally transport users to a different place. So even though all of these, you know, giants of the industry that were experimenting with this stuff over the last, you know, 30, 40, 20, 30, 40 years, um, the, the resolution and, and, and the hardware has really never been there. I think someone was talking about like, you know, when MIT was, was starting to experiment, they were like imagining like what would Oregon Trail look like in virtual reality. And I'm like, well, that might have been really amazing. You know, the graphics of Oregon Trail are not really going to make you feel like you're, you know, on the Oregon Trail. So now for the first time, we've been able to you know, everything has, everything has caught up. And, um, you know, with Oculus coming out and um, sort of, you know, just re releasing their DK1, DK2, stuff like that, the resolution has been getting better and better and better and better. And now we're really able to give someone a headset and really let them, you know, go, go across the world, like literally transport space and time and enter a different dimension. And that's where you sort of like, that's where it really, that's where it really does happen. So I think it's, it's really just about all of these different industries catching up with each other sort of at the same exact time and, and creators really wanting to experiment in this space. And so when you have all of those great minds working together, that's where it becomes true virtual reality and, and, and true just entering a completely different space. I have to say, though, one of my favorite parts of Oregon Trail was killing off people with dysentery. And I have a feeling Absolutely. if you're, you know, if you're doing that in the virtual world, it's, it's much less fun. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Die well, and maybe they're like, blinking avatars exactly and like i remember like the hunting scenes like where it was like a little pixel bullet that was shooting like a like a like a some sort of animal i think it was like a deer or something but i mean maybe someone should actually make that game now and it would be quite fun because if you could really go there i think it would be awesome but yeah, yeah. I, I think one of the other things that i've heard of you know for why vr is, is happening now today is people are much more comfortable staring at screens mm -hmm. right there's not a you know like the idea of having an individual screen that you share, you stare at, you know, 20 in the nineties, that was like a, a weird thing to think about. I mean, I guess you had like little game boys, but it was a kind of a different experience. Whereas now everyone, almost everyone has this little screen that they stare at all the time. And people just seem to have a much higher comfort level with the idea of the sort of very personal screen that you stare at. So yeah, I think that's, that's part of it. I think that's absolutely part of it. I, and I mean, you know, and I think, you know, as as all of this stuff has been evolving, you know, since, you know, people really started, like, you know, adopting smartphone technology and stuff like that, you know, people are looking for ways to become immersed. You know what I mean? It's even things like, you know, for a while, it was people just watching a TV and then all of a sudden, oh, we need surround sound. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, I want a 4K TV. And it's just like the stuff just gets better and better and better and better. And what I think people are ultimately trying to do is to sort of like create the most amazing experience, you know, in their homes or in a theater or at a museum or something like that. And people really just want to be immersed. And, um, you know, obviously with, with screens and people having these things in their pockets and, you know, every single thing we have, you know, I have like two iPads, two laptops, mobile phones, like I have another phone for virtual reality. I have, I have like every virtual reality headset you can buy. I mean, I have screens around me all the time. And it's just like, yeah, they're everywhere. And I feel like I'm always looking for the next best thing that's like more immersive than the thing I saw before it. And I think people who aren't working in this field are to that same idea, but just to a much lesser extent. But yeah, I think you're absolutely right in saying that. 
Yeah, um, it's interesting too. And I was thinking about sort of my own collection of headsets and laptops and devices and <laughs> how little of my time, barring when I'm asleep or running, is spent not staring at a screen. <laughs> um, and I'm not sure whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I think that's just a, a thing that is true at this point. Um, but, you know, it does get kind of lonely and I'm probably the least sort of judgmental person when it comes to people wanting to stare at screens all the time because I strongly believe in not policing other people's screen behavior unless they're, you know, about to, they're texting and driving or about to like run into you on the street. But are there ways that VR can sort of help people, even though they are interacting with a screen, feel less alone? Like how can VR become a really interactive experience, even if you are by yourself? How can you feel like you're interacting with other people? Yeah, no, I mean, I think that there's so many different ways to do this. And I, I truly believe that virtual reality is going to change every single medium and every single industry in one way or another. And, you know, I haven't really gotten, I haven't started dabbling too much yet in like what's going on, like in the sort of like social space um, when it comes to virtual reality. So, um, you know, but I know that for sure, you know, like with people like Facebook buying Oculus, I mean, I have to assume that there's going to be something very social media driven um, that, that they're going to do with virtual reality. And, but I, I even think, you know, like coming from, you know, like I, I obviously work very closely with Chris Milk and I, you know, sort of adopted and really strongly believe in his ethos that this technology is sort of the most humanizing technology ever, you know, ever created. And even though, yes, it's one person putting on a headset and like on one sense you can say like this seems like a very like um, solitary or, you know, there's, 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 a, there's a confiningness to just one person wearing a headset at a time. Being able to be transported to other other places and to really see the world through virtual reality, because not everyone has the means to just go, you know, buy a plane ticket and go see what a life, you know, life in a Syrian refugee camp is like. And of course, you know, you can you can find videos that were made online about of, about that topic, but there's nothing like being able to see that world through the eyes of the people who are actually living it and to hear their individual stories um, without there being sort of a director saying like, I want to cut here, I want to edit here, we should zoom in here, let's try to make this thing as beautiful as possible. It's not about that, it's really about the medium is a medium that breathes and it really and it really does breathe life um, you know, from so many different angles. So as solitary as it, as it is on one hand, it's sort of the most connecting medium on the other hand because it really allows us to see the world through everybody's eyes who are living it. Yeah, it's interesting. I was having a conversation earlier today about VR with someone and I said, you know, the web allowed us to sort of see and hear and write to or talk to people who, you know, are different in any other sort of mm -hmm. how, however you want to define it. But VR will allow us to actually interact with those people and have experiences with those people as opposed to just sort of this, you know, I can look at pictures of Syrian refugees right now and that's obviously you know, tragic and moving and affecting, but there's still that barrier where I don't know what their experience is like. Cause I'm a middle-class American person who's led a pretty like safe middle-class life for the most part. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's still that huge barrier there. Whereas with VR, like I, I use the New York times experience with the, with the Google cardboard app. And that was, again, it was totally different. Like I intellectually knew what was happening there, but to actually experience it, was very different and profoundly moving in a way that I don't think I would have gotten any other way of consuming information about that issue. Absolutely. Yeah. No. And I, and I think like we're literally just touching the tip of the iceberg right now. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think that, I mean, we're, we're very fortunate, I think for verse particularly to have a partnership with the United Nations just because 
that allows us, you know, like to, to be able to work with them. I mean, they, they've been involved in so many amazing efforts around the world. And, you know, we've only been able to just like dive into three or four of these stories at this point. But this stuff is happening all over the world. And it's like, unless you're just so informed and so like driven to be able to sort of understand what's happening in the world all the time, I feel like this, that virtual reality is really going to be a medium that really does help people connect to these issues and help people connect to other people around the world. So, I mean, I'm a huge proponent of the sort of humanness and um, being able to tell these very, very human stories inside of this very, very technical medium, because I, I really do think it's a bridge. Yeah. And on the other side of the, the coin, I mean, you know, getting a little bit back to the music stuff, there are ways to do these experiential things that are really fun. Mm-hmm. Like you can absolutely, and you should, you know, spend a day in a refugee camp or spend a day in a, you know, in a coal mining village or spend, you know, however you want to, you know, whatever is happening, you should experience that. Um, but there's also a way where you like, you can be Beyonce for a day and look at Beyonce's awesome wardrobe and pretend that you are on stage with, you know, 20,000 screaming fans in front of you. And that's fun, right? Like that's another cool, I mean, that's certainly not as maybe reward socially rewarding as learning about a refugee crisis but it's also another sort of cool it's a cool fun way to use vr and i think that's something that can maybe draw another crowd of people in oh absolutely i'm I'm a million percent agreed i you know it's um like I, i think that from our perspective it was really interesting to sort of dive into this more humanitarian thing but you know, entertainment wise, I mean, this is going to, this is going to turn entertainment, you know, it's going to be 180 degrees different than it is right now. It's like you said, like, what is it like to be on stage with Kanye West? What is it like to be in Beyonce's dressing room? What is it like to, you know, really sit down and have a conversation with Bono? It's like, these things are all of a sudden becoming like an absolute reality. And I don't even, I wouldn't even say either one is more rewarding or important than the other. I think all of these things are, it's like, Virtual reality is this sort of dream machine. It's allowing all of these things to become, like these these dreams, to become a reality. And I'm I can't wait, to, you know, to see more, um, you know, really, really, really great live concerts in virtual reality, or these really great, you know, just being able to what what is what is it really like to feel to be like sitting with Bono before he goes out on stage? I mean, I think this stuff becomes incredibly exciting. There's other artists that I would, you know, like artists that I really love that I would absolutely love to see in virtual reality in one form or another. Yeah, so that's kind of. You know, a lot of the artists we've been talking about have been Beyonce or Kanye or Bono. You know, is there a way for artists who aren't that big? You know, maybe they're just starting out. Maybe they're a mid-level indie band that's playing at South by Southwest and they've got, you know, a decent following, but they're not superstars. What can they do in VR right now that could be interesting for them? Because, you know, is it still too early and the only people that can afford it are like the famous people? Or, you know, how can your sort of average artist engage with VR? Yeah, it's a really interesting question. I, you know, unfortunately, right now, I think that um, virtual reality is in a place where it, it is just expensive to produce and it's expensive to create stuff. I, I'm personally very interested to try to figure out ways where, um, you know, people can sort of just like go out and shoot something because I feel like so much of my life, I've kind of just like grabbed my mom's camcorder and like went out with my friends skateboarding and we tried to make skateboarding videos or I was like, got my friends, we had like, um, you know, got a bunch of clay and we were making like stop motion animations. And I kind of miss that immediacy of what it's like to just like have the bare minimum equipment and just go out and create something. So there's a lot of companies right now who are coming up with ways to make virtual reality much more consumer friendly and much more open. 
And I'm super, super interested in those methods. You know, like a lot of the things that I've shot um, that are, you know, either tests or things that I was doing before I became, um, you know, affiliated with Verse, it was a lot of just like grabbing GoPros and putting them together to form, you know, a 360 camera and then like going out and testing things. And, you know, there's some pretty cheap software available for you to be able to stitch video together. And then, you know, if you know a little bit about like Premiere or Avid or Final Cut, you can take your footage into one of those programs and edit something. And I think it's really just about, you know, right now it's a little bit scary, I think, for people to just be like, I'm going to go make something in virtual reality if, you, if, you, if you're like A, not a coder or B, not a filmmaker. But I think that um, if people are interested in it, there's enough resources online where they can just go read, read, read enough about it to be able to get a grip on it and then try to go make something yourself. I mean, these 360 cameras you can buy, you know, I just, I bought a Ricoh Theta recently. It's an amazing little $300 camera. Like the footage is not like incredible resolution or anything like that, but you know, it's great for taking pictures and it just sparks my idea for like so many of the things that could just be image based in virtual reality or doing these very, very simple videos that are just nice to upload and be able to have something you can see in 360. So it's becoming more and more available for sure. Yeah. I mean, are we ever going to get to a point where like VR is the new blog? I guess. <laughs> so, so like, you know, are we ever going to get to a point where anyone could just create their own VR universe and you could just drop into anyone else's VR universe? For the uh, day? I, I think that's absolutely going to happen. I mean, the, the thing that will be the giant, I think like leap for that kind of thinking is when the phones get a 360 camera. Because as, as soon as there's a 360 camera in everybody's pocket, that's when everything changes. You know, it's like right now, if, like, if you could only make films like with a camera like a 5D or better, nobody would be taking video because like no one's going to be lugging camera equipment around just to be able to shoot little videos that they put up on, online. But I mean, once the iPhone and Android's got these incredible cameras in them, all of a sudden everyone is you know, is a videographer and everyone's taking videos and posting videos and Instagram, you can make these great 15 second videos and Vine and stuff like that. And that really just changed the game. So I think that virtual reality is still sort of in its infancy when it comes to the public adopting the technology, but it's coming around the corner for sure. So one of the things that I, I always liked about Google Glass, and I was kind of in the definite minority in that I thought Google Glass was really fascinating and really cool. And I feel like it just they just kind of never quite figured it out in terms of selling it to people. But I loved it because I loved the idea of sort of a radical transparency and being able to see things from other people's perspective. And I always thought that would go a long way in the, in terms of, you know, sort of healing and, you know, just being able to see like, what is it like to be a protester? What is it like to be on the other side of a protest? Like mm -hmm. how, you know, seeing that in real time, like I was part of, you know, many Iraq war protests 12, 13 years ago. And, you know, we used to chant the whole world is watching, which kind of wasn't true at that point because it was 2003. Yeah, right. But <laughs> now, or in a few years, you literally could have the whole world watching if you had that camera technology. Without a um, doubt. Yeah. So, I mean, do you think that's going to be sort of a step towards this idea of like really radical openness? I do. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, the, the first film that Verse ever made was something that um, Chris Milk and Spike Jones did together where they just went to New York to film the protests with um, with virtual reality cameras. And it was something that was, um, you know, in, in partnership with Vice. And it, it was it was great. You know what I mean? Like before, you know, like first we made the music video for Beck, but then right after that, it was um, it was that it was the protest video. And it, and, it, and it was great because, you know, like I didn't go to that protest. I didn't fly to New York to be part of that protest. But that video made me feel like I was there and it was really, really, really cool to be so close and so personal with these people, you know, chanting and just, you know, sort of coming together in the belief of, of an idea. And, uh, you know, 
it's as simple as having a camera like that and being able to look around that space that really, really makes you feel like you're there. And to me, that that opens up everything. So like, yeah, everything that you were just talking about, I think becomes a reality when um, when everyone has these cameras. Yeah. And sort of the flip side of that is the ability to live the mundane life for someone else. So, you know, I always like the idea of what I call selfie diplomacy. And that's the idea that you know, there are people all over the planet, including people that the government likes to say are our quote unquote enemies. But if we look at their, their selfies on Instagram, right? Like they're just as goofy and duck facey and silly as we are, you know? And I think that while people tend to write that off a lot, that's actually very valuable to just be like, Oh, this girl in Iran is just as dorky as I am. And she's, you know, crazy about boys and likes this or, you know, and that, that's really humanizing. And so I'm interested if there's a VR world where you could just like drop it on a housewife and, you know, wherever, and she's just like washing her dishes and you can yeah. be like, oh, all right, hey, look, this, this person is not that different and not that interesting. And it's, it's kind of okay. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. No, you know, and I think like last year, we obviously saw with um, everyone sort of adopting Periscope, how much people do want to just be able to sort of put their videos out into the world sort of like in real time and allow you to sort of like, you know, I, I remember like running down Venice Beach last year and some girl was like filming me. And I was like, hey, like, are you like shooting a video or something? She's like, no, I'm just on Periscope, like broadcasting to my fans or whatever. Because I guess she wasn't from Venice. So she just wanted to give everyone a glimpse of what Venice looked like. But it was really interesting to me. And it's just, yeah, I mean, you know, at some point in time, obviously, all this stuff merges, you know, for everything from every platform, from every industry, from every sort of what, what people just want to be saying and what they want to be doing. It, it all merges and it becomes something that's so simple and goes in your pocket. And then, yeah, it's like now we really do just get to go be in someone's house in Iran while they're washing dishes and folding laundry and to see what that world is like. And it's absolutely fascinating. You know, I, I don't think any of us believe that, like, only only filmmakers and only people who have been adopting this technology since day one are the ones that who are allowed to tell these stories and who are allowed to sort of see the world this way. We 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 all want everyone to adopt this and everyone to become so interested in what it's really like to to be an observer everywhere around the world all the time. I mean that to me would just be the greatest thing. I, I would love a platform where, you know, it was like sort of journalism based or, you know, people, you know, Reddit to me is like a really, really close thing, obviously, without the video. Every time something really crazy happens in current events, I immediately go to Reddit and these threads happen with people who are, you know, basically on site because there's people who are on Reddit from everywhere around the world. So whether it's like a bombing in the Middle East or some sort of crazy shooting happening in California, you go on Reddit and it's like, okay, we're getting like real time updates that are not affected by the media. And it's just, it, it feels real. So I can only imagine what this world looks like when everybody has 360 camera technology and we can actually go be there. You know what I mean? It's going to really, really make the world feel close. Yeah. And what about, I'm just thinking about like educational uses, you know, again, going back to that sort of Simpsons clip that I referenced at the top, you know, where she's riding around with Genghis Khan. Like, you know, how do you think this could perhaps democratize education where if every kid had a VR headset and every kid had the same sort of VR programming, you know, how is that going to change learning? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it is. And I, I've talked, I have a lot of friends who are teachers in Los Angeles or who are working in the education fields and, you know, they, they see what we're doing and um, they, you know, we, we, we just start talking and, you know, like I have one friend in particular, but like we've talked about like, you know, he's really into mythology and teaches at a, he teaches a mythology program at a school 
And he's just like, you know, like instead of like showing a picture of Stonehenge and talking to these kids about Stonehenge, like how amazing would it be if they all put on a virtual reality headset and all of a sudden we are at Stonehenge and then they get to go see and almost feel what it's like to be there. And it's like, you don't need to dramatize it in the same way that you would dramatize a film about this, but like really being able to let kids go see these places that we're talking about and go really hear these stories of people who are living there, that really does change learning. And I think that it becomes a much more hands-on and a much more applied contextual way of teaching people everything. And to me, that's great. I mean, you know, and a totally sort of like, sort of on topic, sort of off topic thing, you know, like um, in doctor or, you know, in hospitals and stuff like that, I think people are already adopting virtual reality technology to teach surgeons surgery. So they can actually go and start, you know, dissecting a virtual body. Um, and that, you know, apparently the graphics are quite good and stuff. And so like, if they do it successfully, then it's all good. And if they don't, at least they haven't really, you know, killed somebody on the, on the operating table. And it's, it's amazing. You know, it's totally amazing way of, of teaching people everything. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, so to get back to music a little bit, um, what are some of the most interesting use cases for VR that you've seen in the music space, um, aside from the ones that you've worked on? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think a lot of people are doing some amazing stuff. I mean, I'm obviously biased because, like, I think versus approach to how we're telling music stories and in sort of what, what our music ideology and platform is, is really amazing. But from a music video perspective, I mean, there are so many cool experimental things happening. You know, I think like the first the first thing people think about, I think, when they think about music and virtual reality is how cool would it be to go to a concert that you couldn't be at? And I think that there's something very, very valuable to that. And I think for the right situation, the right band, the right setting, I would love to do that. I personally feel like, you know, there's nothing can ever sort of match what a live performance is going to be. But if something is going on across the world that I'm not going to, this is probably the next best thing um, to be on stage, you know, with, you know, this, just the greatest artists in the world and the, in these places that you've never been before would just be incredible. I think from like, a from a music video standpoint, a storytelling standpoint, it really opens us up to creating like a much more intimate relationship with these artists themselves. I mean, like when we're talking about music videos, like, um, you know, I, I, like I just watched this one for run the jewels that was on the New York times, um, yeah, app that, that I think it came awesome. out. Yeah, it was great. It was great. And I mean, I love those guys. I think they're awesome. And it was really, really cool to see like, you know, it's a very, very simple idea and it's, and it's executed in a very, very simple way. But like to be that close to Killer Mike is awesome. You know what I mean? And like the footage looked beautiful, even in cardboard, like they did an amazing job shooting it. Um, and it was, it's just, if that video was done in 16 by nine, you'd be like, oh, that's another great, great black and white music video. It's like really beautiful. I have like no, no problems with it whatsoever. The fact that it's done in virtual reality is just like, it just creates this entirely new situation for you and it becomes so fun to look at all these people and there's like a loose story going on of course and it's like I've watched it two or three times back to back and every time you look at different people in the in the story it's like you're you're kind of making up a different story for yourself and like just that idea for music videos opens up an entirely new world to create music videos and, and that to me is amazing and then obviously like we already talked about you know getting backstage access or having conversations with artists in, in VR is a whole new world that hasn't been explored yet too much either. So I think for every facet of music, it's, this is like sort of the greatest thing that's going to happen to the music industry. So what do you think music fans will want out of a VR experience? I mean, you, you sort of touched on this a little bit in your previous answer where you talked about the intimacy and sort of being able to move around and see stuff that you couldn't ordinarily see. But are there other things that music fans 
would really get out of an experience that they couldn't get now other than, you know, watching a show halfway across the world. Yeah. Well, I think the audio is going to be a huge thing too. And I mean, there's probably someone that you could have on this podcast who's specifically dedicated to 360, you know, binaural audio who would be much more versed in this topic than I am. But some of the things that I've heard right now going on in spatial audio are just unbelievable. And it's like, you know, it, it's, it would, it's really great to go sit on stage and watch an artist in VR and listen to that in stereo. It's great. It's fine. But to be able to, you know, really go on stage and to really feel what it's like to hear, like, to, imagine if you were being like surrounded by a band on stage and every instrument's coming at you from a different direction and to actually be able to, um, you know, in your own living room, turn your head and have the music actually change around you and the closer that you are to certain artists or the closer, to, closer you are to certain musicians, that's the sort of, that's the instrument that you're hearing the majority of. And as you move or shift or turn your head or lean, the sound completely changes and it allows you to just really feel like you are you're, you're like you're gone you're there you're in this place and the things the improvements that are going to happen in 360 audio i think in the next couple months or the next year is going to completely change that and just make for the most amazing music experiences ever so you know there's a lot of verticals that vr is big in now you know we talked about education we talked about music obviously gaming a huge one sports i've seen a ton of really cool you know new vr experiences that you can have in sports where you can walk around the field and see things from different perspectives and you know, stand next to players. Mm-hmm. Um, is there one vertical you think is going to be the vertical where VR really breaks out? So, you know, is the mass adoption going to become, become because like tons of gamers are using it or is it going to come because like people use it to watch the Super Bowl or, you know, can you sort of predict if there's going to be one vertical where VR really starts to take off? I mean, I think, it, you know, just gaming is going to be it. I think like, um, you know, just w- the people that are making the hardware right now in the space, they're dedicating most of their energy and time, it seems like, to creating the greatest gaming experiences. Because I think they also know, though, that people who are adopting, you know, who already own a PS4 or who own, you know, who are really into PC gaming and is going to get into Oculus or HTC Vive or one of these really high-end virtual reality systems, like they know that it's not going to be only spent playing games. So that they, I think they know that content and live action and sports and music and stuff like that is going to be a huge play um, for when people are not literally sitting in front of their system playing games. So, but I, you know, gaming is going to be the biggest thing I think for virtual reality in the beginning by far, just because you know these gaming studios are so advanced um, technically and creatively. They're telling some of the greatest stories. I mean, I stopped playing video games I think for about ten years, but I bought a PS4 last year. And um, I, I was sort of playing some games. It's like this game, The Last of Us. This is like the greatest story I've ever, ever, I've ever heard. You know what I mean? And like you're, you're literally, you're in it. And I, I was just watching it on my TV, playing it on my PS4. When you are wearing a headset and you're in that space, I mean, it's, it's you know, that, that it really is going to be. I think like games are going to be the first things that make people really, really, really understand how powerful and amazing this technology is. And then I think, you know, as time goes on, and the cameras and the technology and the sound and things like that get better for content and sports, that's when people may start adopting, oh, I want to actually watch the Super Bowl this year in virtual reality, or oh, I want to watch part of this you know, TV series in virtual reality. Um, I, think, I think gaming will lead, and then content will be a close second right behind it. Yeah, cool. And in terms of music more specifically, you know, do you think VR is going to break out in terms of people wanting to watch live concerts or people wanting to have the sort of experience where they pretend to be Beyonce for the day or are there sort of other experiences in that vertical that you think you know is going to be sort of the breakout specifically in music i do yeah i mean i I don't know if you're familiar with i'm actually not even sure how to pronounce it i think it's like a a vertify or vrtify yeah i know them they're great 
Cool. Yeah, I I personally haven't seen anything that they've done yet. I know I think I've signed up for their beta, but I haven't gotten the um you know the official link yet or anything like that. But it's um yeah, I mean like I think we you know time will tell. But I think if that platform becomes really successful in displaying concerts, and I know that they're doing something with Spotify, maybe you can you know visualize your your Spotify playlist and things like that in virtual reality. I mean you know I think. I, I give them props for sort of being the first ones that I've heard of to really like go forth and into the space of just doing music um, related content. And I think it's going to be great. I think like if they, um, you know, produce some really, really high quality stuff that people can adapt to quickly. And I think also with like things like live streaming, so you can watch the Beyonce concert at the same time it's actually happening. I think that's where it starts to get really, really fun. And, and I think people will adopt to that for yeah. sure. Cool. So what do you guys have on tap for the rest of this year? And I know that uh, you've probably got some some trade secrets you can't spill, but are there any things that you guys are releasing pretty soon that you're really excited about or sort of more broadly that you hope to build on this year? Yeah, I can't really get into too many specifics, to be honest, um, just because there's there's sort of a lot at stake. But I'm really, really, really excited about what Verse is going to be doing in the next couple months and especially for this year. I mean, you know, Right now, we, I, you know, I, I think we're making really, really great story-driven content, and we're going to continue doing that. I think what the plan is right now is to, to diversify uh, the platform a little bit and to make it not so it's, you know, like we have some really, really cool stuff coming out in different genres. And then after that, you know, we're talking about implementing different tools and things like that into the platform, and that's where stuff gets really exciting because, again, it's, it's like we're going to always be um, thinking about ways to evolve the actual experience of what people are having on Verse. So right now we're mostly focused on story-driven um, on story-driven films where people can actually you know sort of go from beginning to end and sort of direct their own experience. But there's going to be interactive and different tools that we're talking about right now that will eventually go into the platform, which will make the entire platform much more interactive, as well as coming out on different platforms, different hardware platforms. Very cool. So thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. Um, if people want to find you online, you or Verse or both, uh, where can they go? Well, Verse.com is a good place to go on the web to sort of just get the general rundown of, of what Verse is doing. And we're obviously available for iTunes, Android, Cardboard, and Samsung Gear VR right now. And then as new hardware platforms become released, we will be, um, you know, we'll be talking about and releasing Verse on many of those platforms as well. I personally can be found at ZacharyRichter.com. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Great. Well, thank you so much, Zach. Thank you so much for having me. It was great. That's all for this episode of the Music Biz Podcast. Thank you to Hypebot for helping us put this show out. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, please send me an email at kyle.belin at gmail.com. That's kyle.bylin at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. I hope you enjoyed the discussion.